This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. So I'm going to start over again, inshallah. Uh, we get now to the ayah, we're in, uh, we're on verse 67, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still continuing in the description of the servants of the Most Merciful says, those who are neither extravagant nor are they stingy in their spending, but they find that perfect balance between the two. And the scholars say that uh, it's interesting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not define the middle except by defining the two extremes. And there's a lot of room for interpretation there in, in, as, in regards to what are the two extremes and what is the middle. And that's part of what we're going to be uh, digging into, inshallah ta'ala, here. But Essentially, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Ibadul Rahman have good spending habits. They have healthy spending habits. And this is a, a really uh, beautiful halaqa, inshallah ta'ala, because uh, it goes into a beautiful element of tazkiyah. And I always enjoy when there are elements of tazkiyah that typically do not get spoken about when speaking about the science of spiritual growth, like uh, food and consumption and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and how to spend and things of that sort. Because this is not talking about charity. This is talking about your spending habits. So the Prophet ﷺ commented on that this is a person that is situated between the two in regards to extravagance and stinginess. And he said, that's wisdom. That is wisdom. So a person who is able to find that balance between being extravagant and being stingy, having healthy spending habits, that is a person with hikmah. That's the description of the Messenger Now, why would the Prophet call it hikmah? Hikmah, wisdom, in the Arabic language, when you use the word wisdom, it means that it governs something. Um, so hikmah, the, the, the horse's reins. If you have ilm, which is the horse, knowledge, which is the horse, you need hikmah to balance and to, and to guard that knowledge and to use it properly. Hikmah also carries, carries a level of authority. And so when the Prophet says it's hikmah, that means that a person has a, a good understanding of balance and they know how to keep things in order and they know how to not let things get out of hand. And of course, when it comes to uh, the areas of spending, that's where you start to see that people uh, really can get out of hand with their spending. And subhanAllah, uh, I spent you know a good amount of time reading articles on good spending habits uh, because I was I was just... Curious, subhanAllah, how much of those articles that talk about good spending habits could be integrated into the science of tazkiyah. And one of the reasons why I did that is because a person's spending habits are usually indicative of other things regarding their personality. Okay, So people with bad spending habits uh, usually have implications of that far beyond their wealth. Okay, So a person's spending habits are usually indicative of other things regarding their personality. So let's compare like the top five. These are my top five uh, good spending habits extracted, not from me, but from articles about spending habits and things of that sort and connect them to an element of Tesquia, connect them to an element of our spirituality. So number one, they always tell you living on a budget, that a person with healthy spending habits lives on a budget. And from a Tesquia perspective, what does this translate into? 
restricting your desires. Restricting your desires. That you approach things of this world as not being negligent. So when it comes to matters of dunya, you are not extravagant. You don't have high hopes in this dunya. You restrict both your expectations of this dunya as well as your consumption of material things. And so living on a budget, i.e. restricting your desires and restricting your consumption of this dunya. The second thing which uh, always comes up, and sometimes this is the first thing when you talk about uh, healthy spending habits, is avoiding impulsive shopping, which subhanAllah nowadays you've got Prime Now and Prime and, uh, you know, who knows what that's going to look like in, you know, in, in the next year or so, right? But the point is, is uh, you press a button now, right? And it's, it's very quick. You don't even go to a store and look at products usually. You know, most people are, are getting into the habit of online shopping, especially with COVID-19. Everyone's getting into online shopping to some, uh, to some degree. And so if you've got the money for it, if you're not uh, worried about your income, and even if you are, we have this habit of impulsive buying, impulsive shopping. And what does that connect to with our teskia? Patience. The Prophet said, Haste is from the devil. Haste is from the devil. The, uh, the impatience that we have, our impulsiveness with, uh, with everything from our arguments to our uh, shopping, our consumerism to our conversations, Everything, being impulsive is one of the worst qualities that you can have. It is what the shaitan tries to push us to. Because remember, what the shaitan tries to get us to do is to rush us into a mistake and then tell us that we're not going to be able to escape the consequences of that mistake. So push, 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 uh, gets you to be reckless with your behavior. And so when you're impulsive, then you don't think before you do. And then after you do, the shaitan tells you there's no point of trying to return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now. You've already messed up. You might as well continue down that route. And so impulsive shopping uh, is directly uh, related to patience, a lack of patience, and particularly because there are different categories of sabr, different categories of patience, particularly al-ajala, which is hastiness, which the Prophet said is from the shaitan. The third thing that they always talk about in these uh, articles is to research before you buy things, to be very careful, not to not to just buy something because it looks pretty, but to do your proper research when you consume something, when you purchase something, okay? And what did the Prophet ﷺ teach us to avoid? A shubuhat, doubtful matters. And subhanAllah, you know, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he said there are two things that sink every person. The two things that sink a person's spirituality are their indulgence in shahawat and their indulgence in shubuhat, their indulgence in, um, in, in desires and their indulgence in shubuhat, which are the doubtful matters. Okay, so those are the two things that sink every person uh, spiritually. And here you have an example of, you know, the Prophet ﷺ uh, telling us, warning us to be careful when it comes to the doubtful matters, to be careful when it comes to the shubuhat because of the impact that they could have on our spirituality. And that's, you know, what, what any one of those articles will tell you is in order to become a better uh, spender or someone with better spending habits, learn to research products before you buy, give them some time on the market, see how people interact with them, see how the reviews are. But now it's like, you know, you pre-order things. <laughs> you don't do your research, you pre-order things. So you know that the next, whatever is coming out, right? The next version of this is coming out. You want to get your name in there quickly. Uh, so research before you buy, 
directly relates to the spiritual habit of uh, avoiding uh, doubtful matters. And some of the scholars, they said that, you know, when you look at someone like uh, Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala, Abu Hanifa rahimahullah is brilliant for so many reasons. Um, but, you know, his fiqh, his understanding is, uh, was really, uh, you know, pioneering. He, set, he was the father of fiqh, right? Uh, everyone was dependent upon Abu Hanifa rahimahullah in some capacity when it came to his fiqh. And what was Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala before he became a faqih? Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala was a brilliant merchant. But he wasn't just a brilliant merchant, for, you know, because he inherited a fortune and he just took that tijara and he started, you know, that, that cloth or that, those garments and he started to make money off of them. Uh, he had a particular eye for defects in garments. So he could tell when something was quality where others could not. So others could be deceived with the quality of a cloth. Uh, Imam Hanifa rahimahullah could not be deceived. He was very careful. And they said that rahimahullah ta'ala, he would, he would uh, look to the edges when other people would ignore the edges. Most people, when they would grab the garment, they'd hold it up and they'd look at it and they'd, you know, they'd squeeze it a few times. They'd see if it wrinkles, whatever it is. Imam Hanifa rahimahullah would study the edges before he committed to buying a garment. And so he was a very detailed uh, shopper and merchant. And so a lot of what made him good in his trade made him good in his scholarship as well, rahimahullah ta'ala. So that's the third thing, researching before you buy and the connection that has to avoiding the shubuhat, avoiding uh, doubtful matters. The fourth thing, avoid spending triggers. There are certain things that trigger your spending, right? And what did the Prophet sallallahu teach us? He taught us not just to avoid our triggers of spending, but to avoid our triggers of sin, right? And this is something that we find in the Quran, don't follow the footsteps of shaitan. The prophetic guidance to avoid environments that are likely to invite you to sin. The prophetic guidance to avoid khalwa, seclusion, uh, you know, in a way that could lead you to sin. To avoid all sorts of exposure to environments or things that would trigger your sin. To study ourselves deeply from a taskia perspective. To see what is it that leads me to a place of sin. And, you know... I, Obviously, you read, you read uh, if you read through Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala's ihya, or you read the summary of al-ihya, Ibn al-Jawzi's Minhaj uh, al-Qasadeen, uh, or Ibn Qudama's Muqtasul Minhaj al-Qasadeen, when they talk about repenting from sin, there's a lot of emphasis on going back and trying to identify what triggered your sin in the first place so that you can avoid those triggers. So, for example, when Imam Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala, um, he said that if you are walking and your garments get stuck on something, then you need to go back to where it got hooked and take it off from there. Otherwise, you're, you're just going to rip it, right? So going back to the origin of what caused you to sin as a means of understanding what triggers your sin. And so, you know, all of those articles that talk about learning good spending habits, they emphasize learning what your spending triggers are. And then the fifth one, which is last but not least, uh, practicing gratitude so that you don't always feel left out. A lot of times people uh, buy things because they feel left out, right? Everybody else has this. And so suddenly, you know, what they do own uh, loses its flavor. It loses its shine. I need the next one. I need the next one. I need the next one. And what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? If you are grateful, I will increase you. Your perspective changes when you practice gratitude. So you learn to appreciate what you already have 
And so you're not so stressed out about what you don't have. And so there's a direct connection between israf, people that purchase, purchase, purchase. They keep trying to fill the void, the emptiness with the next product, the next product, the fear of the fear of missing out, the fear of being left behind where everybody else has gotten this. Um, you know, they're able to get over that because uh, they're practicing gratitude with what they already have. So subhanAllah, these are five things that, uh, you know, again, if you look at good spending habits, they tie directly into good teskiyah, good spirituality, and what would uh, what would count as being from Ibadul Rahman or what would make us from Ibadul Rahman. Now, what is extravagance in Islam? Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not define uh, israf here uh, or, or stinginess here. So he didn't define extravagance and he didn't define stinginess because a lot of this is left to um, good judgment, right? It's just like if, if someone was to say, you know, what are good spending habits? Uh, what's a good amount of money that you should spend on leisure? That's going to differ from person to person. It's going to differ from circumstance to circumstance. To give a number, while it might be satisfying, it might happen to work for some people, is not going to be healthy and productive, right? Because it's not going to fit everyone's uh, circumstances and their situations. So in Islam, what counts as israf and then what counts as uh, tabir, which is another level of extravagance. So according to Islam, in Islam, there are the clear elements of Islam, clear elements of extravagance. So the ulama divide them uh, in the following ways. Number one, they say that to spend any amount in haram even if it's one dollar, to spend any amount in unlawful ways is israf, is a means of extravagance. Okay? And that is the extravagance of the self. Right? Allah subhanahu wa says, Oh, those say, Oh, my servants who have uh, been extravagant. Okay? So to spend anything on haram. Anything, even if it's the smallest amount, uh, counts as extravagance. Number two, the ulama say to live beyond your means, even with things that are halal. To live beyond your means, even with things that are halal. And this is where, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people fall, right? They live beyond their means. And the, the greatest uh, practice from the sunnah of the Prophet is to live within your means. Okay, so people buy what they should not be buying. It's not, it would not be a sloth for the other person because the other person would not put themselves in debt. They wouldn't compromise their hajj. They wouldn't compromise their salafa. They wouldn't compromise what they owe their family for buying that car, but you would, okay? Uh, so live within your means, even when it comes to halal things, even when it comes to the things that are permissible. Number three, the scholars say to spend money in righteous ways. So the first one was haram. The second one was halal, but overdoing it. The third one is to spend in sadaqah, but not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but for the sake of the people's sight. Okay, so that would also be a form of israf because you're spending there. You know, when people buy um, clothes to show off, or people buy cars to show off, or people put on weddings to show off, I think israf, if, if we were to categorize israf these days, Weddings would, would fall somewhere in the top five, right? And if you're trying to save money on uh, on your wedding and, you know, you want to hurry up and rush to Nikah, say it's COVID-19 and, you know, we can't book a banquet hall, we're just going to have to do this the easy way. We're going to have to go the Sunnah way and save everybody a lot of money and save everybody a, a, the headache of the wedding, right? But, you know, in, in seriousness, right, you know, Israf is 
has a lot to do with how you want to be perceived by other people. And so the person that spends, that overdoes it in halal, uh, does it to sh- project something, right? So the scholars say, then what then of a person that spends in sadaqah using something that is noble, uh, but for the sake of an evil intention, right? Using something that should be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to achieve the same goal as the person that puts on the fancy wedding and puts on, you know, has the fancy car and has whatever it is uh, just to be able to project something. So it would even be worse than if a person were to use sadaqah, which is a noble cause of spending, but spending not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but spending instead so that you can be perceived in a certain way. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from all three of those things. Now let's talk about this balance a little bit further. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, uh, and I'm going to read it slowly inshallah ta'ala so that you can visualize with, with me. Do not uh, cause your hand to be fastened to your neck. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing a person whose hand is fastened to the neck. Obviously, an analogy for, uh, for stinginess. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَبْسُطْهَا كُلَّ الْبَصْطِ And do not be uh, a person who overstretches. Because if you stretch your arm further than you're supposed to, you're going to tear your muscles, you're going to tear your shoulder, whatever it is, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't be like this and don't be like this, okay? To where you hurt yourself. And that is the example. It's a very powerful example that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us about, uh, about how we should think about our spending. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, though, uh, in Surah Al-Isra, Allah Azza says, verses 26, 27, Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and give the right, give the right of your family. Okay, starting off, start with your family. Make sure that you're fulfilling the rights of the family upon you. And the miskin, the person who is destitute, and Ibn al-Sabil technically means the son of the, the, the street. So that would mean someone who's homeless and specifically a wayfarer. Now the scholars say when miskin and Ibn al-Sabil come together, uh, because sometimes in the Arabic language, like even with something like Islam and Iman, okay, so Islam, when it's used alone versus when Islam and Iman are used together. Uh, when Islam and Iman are in the same sentence, then Islam represents the outward uh, uh, expression of faith. Iman represents the inward expression of faith. So they say when it comes to miskin and Ibn al-Sabil, when they are used together, miskin represents the poor person who is close to you your neighbor or someone within your locality, uh, someone that is struggling to pay their bills and they're close to you physically. So they have a greater right upon you. And Ibn Sabil is, is the one who's traveling through. So he's not from your town. He's not from your neighborhood. He's not from your locales, but he's traveling through. And so, you know, Allah is saying prioritize those that are closest to you in terms of your relatives and then prioritize those that are closest to you in terms of locality and then spend on Ibn al-Sabil, upon the one that is passing through. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تُبَذِّرْ تَبْذِيرًا And do not spend wastefully. إِنَّ الْمُبَذِّرِينَ كَانُوا إِخْوَانَ الشَّيَاطِينَ Verily, those who are wasteful, and you know, in the English language, israf uh, and tabdir will actually end up being translated the same way, but they're very different, which I'll get to in a moment, inshallah ta'ala. 
Verily, the wasteful are the brothers of the devils. And verily, the shaytan was to his lord, uh, or is to his lord, kafura, uh, ungrateful. Okay? So, what's the difference between israf and tabdil? Uh, the, the easiest way to put it, and this could be honestly a 30-minute lecture in and of itself, and I mean that, right? If you were just to talk about the way the ulama distinguished israf from tabdil, that's a halaqa. Uh, so I'm going to summarize it as best as I can, inshallah ta'ala. Israf generally, uh, generally speaks to extravagance with that which is permissible. So it's not that the spending or what you're purchasing is haram in and of itself. Okay, so usually when Israf is used, it's referring to the purchase or the spending in regards to things that are within the domain of halal, but they're either stretching you or they are stretching the purpose of that halal to where it becomes questionable. So you're either stretching yourself too far, or you are stretching something that is halal in its nature to where it's starting to uh, it's starting to find itself in the realm of the things that are impermissible, either in what is sought through them or uh, or something else. Tabdir is exclusively spending in impermissible. It's exclusively spending with or in things that are impermissible. And what's the connection to the shaytan? And, and, you know, the ayah lends itself when the ayah says, that the shaytan was ungrateful to his Lord. The connection is that when you use Allah's ni'mah to disobey Allah, then you are like the shaytan. When you use Allah's blessing to disobey Allah with it, then you are like the shaytan. That's how you become from the brothers, the siblings of the devils. Because shaytan used what Allah gave him of 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 power, of position, of prominence. He used those very same things that Allah gave him to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when you spend on things to disobey Allah, or you spend with things that you disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to earn, then you are like the one, لِرَبِّهِ kafura. What an ungrateful way to repay your Lord for his ni'mah upon you. Right? What an ungra- how ungrateful is it that you use the blessing that Allah gave you to disobey him with it, subhanAllah. So that is the peak of ingratitude. And again, that's that's a very brief summary uh, of a topic that I personally find fascinating between Israf and Tabdiyah. Uh, but that is, again, so Israf is generally speaking in the realm of extravagance with the permissible. Tabdiyah is exclusively in the realm of the impermissible, and that's why it's tied uh, to that, according to most of the scholars. Now, let's start to define that middle path. How do I really start to practice tazkiyah with my spending. Well, first and foremost, spending on your family. Allah condemns stinginess with the same degree that he condemns extravagance. And that's an important point that's often lost. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say, uh, he doesn't condemn extravagance, and then, you know, dot, 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 somewhere down the line, stinginess is also bad. No, to be stingy, with those who have a right upon you is just as bad as being extravagant. Okay, so extravagance and stinginess fall in the same category. So spending on the family is the greatest reward. And the first recipients, what's the connection to Ibad al-Rahman, the servants of the most merciful? The first recipients of Rahmah, of mercy, have to be your family. Uh, so if you're merciful with the foolish, but cruel with your family, what's the point? Right? And we talked about how you deal with the jahilun and you deal with people on the outside that are rough and rude and don't, you know, they really don't have any right upon you. They're just, 
They're just annoyances, uh, obstacles on your path back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You, your family is not an obstacle. Uh, you don't just get to say salam, peace out to your family every time you have an argument and treat them in a certain way. No, your family is, uh, they're, they're not an obstacle. Uh, they're an essential component to getting ahead, right? Whoever around you or whoever's around you, a family or within access to you, a family, right? They're an essential component to drawing near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the first recipients of rahmah have to be your family. Um, and the Prophet ﷺ, he, he says, I love this hadith, um, uh, because it just shows how the Prophet ﷺ really reframed how we think about concepts like sadaqah and things of that sort. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa in a hadith from Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, dinarun anfaqtahu fi sabirillah, wa dinarun, wa dinarun anfaqtahu fi raqabah, wa dinarun tasaddaqta bihi ala miskin, wa dinarun anfaqtahu ala ahlika. The Prophet ﷺ gave these four dinars. He said, a dinar that is spent as a contribution in the path of Allah. The dinar that is spent to free a slave. The dinar that is spent on the needy. And the dinar that is spent on supporting your family. Okay, so he gave ﷺ four dinars. Once again, the dinar that is spent in the path of Allah. The dinar that is spent to free a slave. The dinar that is spent on the needy. And the dinar that you spend to support your family. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, أَعْظَمُهَا أَجْرًا الَّذِي أَنْفَقْتَهُ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِكَ The greatest of them in terms of ajr, the greatest of them in terms of reward is the one that you spend on your family. And of course, sometimes you combine the two, right? So you spend on your family and it's sadaqah and silah. It's sadaqah as well as charity, as well as maintaining the ties of kinship. That does not mean, by the way, that you that you feed the bad spending habits within family, okay? This means that you're not stingy, that you're generous and kind with your family. And that's something that we should practice, inshallah ta'ala, and we should see it as rewardable. And you know, let's face it, right? The, the gratification that you feel when you put a morsel of food uh, in, in, you know, uh, in the mouth of a family member or you spend on something for a family member, the gratification is a very, is, it's very different than when you spend on in charity, right? When you spend in charity, you know, it's clearly in the realm of ajr and sadaqah and things of that sort. But the Prophet taught us to have the niyyah, to have the intention when we spend on our family members. And yes, by the way, that means Eid gifts too. And, and no, please don't use this right now if you're watching this together as a family to say, you know, this is why you should buy me that extravagant Eid gift, right? Everyone should think about uh, what extravagance looks like in their regard. But being kareem, being generous with your family, and all of this is typically dictated by, again, intentionally, al-ma'ruf, by custom and by, uh, by a person evaluating properly their own means. And sometimes people are going to be unfair with this, okay? But generally speaking, upholding the notion of karam, the notion of generosity, uh, with our family members is extremely important and is a part of seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure and is a part of being Ibad al-Rahman. The first people entitled to the Rahmah of Ibad al-Rahman are the family members of Ibad al-Rahman. Okay. Those are the first people that need to see that Rahmah. And how did the Prophet reframe this? Um, you know, I'll give you a couple of instances, inshallah ta'ala. Sa'id ibn Abi Waqas radiallahu ta'ala anhu um, he said that I, I fell ill during Fatih Mecca, during the conquest of Mecca, and I almost died. So he fell ill and he almost died, subhanAllah, during Fatih Mecca. Now, uh, side note, how beautiful is it that Sa'ad radiallahu anhu lived, and he lived for decades after the Prophet 
and he took Islam to China, okay, of all places, subhanAllah. But Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu thought he was going to die on the year of Fatih Mecca, years you know, before the Prophet وسلم, passed away. So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, came to visit Sa'ad radiallahu anhu thinking that this is his end. Sa'ad radiallahu anhu thought he was dying. So he said to the Prophet وسلم, Ya Rasulullah, I have a great deal of wealth. I have a lot of money. And the only inheritor I have is one daughter. Okay, I have my daughter uh, to inherit from me. So uh, should I will away all of my wealth? Should I will away all of my wealth? The Prophet ﷺ said no. He said, then two-thirds of my wealth? The Prophet ﷺ said no. He said, then half? The Prophet ﷺ said no. So I said to the Prophet ﷺ, a thuluth, a third? And the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, no. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, a thuluthu wa thuluthu kathir. A third and a third is too much. A third and a third is too much. Right? And Sa'ad was surprised because the Prophet you know, he is someone who calls to Sadaqah all the time, he tells people to give in charity. Uh, the Prophet himself, of course, being a prophet of Allah, Al-Anbiya, uh, you know, they, they don't leave behind uh, uh, inheritance, right? They do not leave behind inheritance. Uh, whatever they leave behind, what's left behind from the prophets is charity because no one can inherit from the prophets. So Sayyidullah was surprised uh, that the Prophet Sayyidullah is telling him, despite him only having one person to inherit, and he has a lot of wealth, the Prophet Sayyidullah is saying a third, and a third is even too much. Sayyidullah was, was surprised. So the Prophet Sayyidullah said, if you leave your, your, your inheritors without need, it is, better, it is better than to leave them in poverty begging from the people. SubhanAllah. To leave your inheritors without need is better than leaving them in poverty, begging from the people. That's not wahma to your family. And he said, indeed, you do not spend anything on your family except that you are rewarded for it, even the morsel of food that you raise to your spouse's mouth. And uh, he said, uh, will I be left behind from my migration? And the Prophet Sallallahu uh, said that you will not be left behind after me and do, and, and do righteous deeds intending Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure except that it will add to your elevation and rank and perhaps you will remain until some people benefit from you and others will be harmed from you and then uh, you know subhanAllah the Prophet made dua for um, for the extension of Sa'ad radiallahu anhu's life and guess what Sa'ad radiallahu anhu lived for decades after the Prophet and took Islam to China indeed benefiting in a beautiful way uh, that that uh, that Islam, you know, as a whole, that, that the Islamic civilization benefited from the life of Sa'ad in so many ways, right? I'm talking about China, but the conquest of Persia, right? Uh, under Umar al-Khattab, he was the main commander, and the contributions of Sa'ad are many. Uh, but the point being from the, the perspective of Ibad al-Rahman, that the Prophet is telling Sa'ad, look, a third is too much, uh, and that's the maximum. And, you know, the spirit of that is that a person should think about their family. And that is part of honoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Honoring of Rahman is to show that Rahmah to the family. Now, the last thing I'll end with, inshallah ta'ala, is what about sadaqah? What about charity? Um, because there is this question, can a person be extravagant with charity? Can a person go too far with charity? And the answer to that, first, there's the obvious. In the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, though his right is greater than the right of anyone else, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to prioritize the repaying of debts before charity in his, uh, in his cause, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so even hajj, which is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us, if a person has an immediate debt, not a revolving debt like a, you know, like a mortgage, a halal one, of course, you know, something that's, that's being paid month by month, but a debt that's due, the priority is that you pay off the dain first. You pay off the debt first. Don't put yourself further in debt uh, to go to hajj or to, uh, to give sadaqah, right? Your, your best expression to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing some of the other acts of sadaqah uh, that are not financial in their nature, right? Service, volunteerism, helping people. But when it comes to your financial contribution, get rid of your debts because when you live under your debt, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for your spirituality. It's not good for your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Get rid of it because debt is gharama too, right? Debt is gharim, as we said. It sticks to you and it stalks you. Um, and so try to get rid of your debt as much as you can. So that's one way. There's also another thing. You've heard the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu uh, telling, uh, you know, asking the Sahaba to give. And Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu came and he uh, refers to Umar radiallahu anhu came and he gave half of his wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, the Prophet sallallahu said, what have you left for your family? And he told them, half, uh, half of my wealth, ya Rasulullah. And then came Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Abu Bakr gave all of his wealth. And the Prophet sallallahu said, what did you leave for your family? And he said, Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet ﷺ praised him for that. Uh, it is important to understand that that is the exception, not the norm. The Prophet ﷺ actually would not let the companions give away all of their wealth in sadaqah to where it would harm their families. He knew that Abu Bakr who had a specific station with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a maqam, a station of certainty. Okay, a station of certainty with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was not going to give all of his wealth away and then say, what have I done? And then mess it up. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was going to maintain his stability, go to the marketplace, earn again, and he would still be in a good financial situation. And plus, be truthful with Allah and Allah will be truthful with you. Who was more truthful with Allah than a siddiq Okay. So when Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu says, I'm giving you everything, Ya Rasulullah, and then I've left Allah and his messenger, وسلم, that means he has full trust that he's going to go back and earn and he'll be fine. So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the exception. But you read the hadith of Abu Talha radiallahu ta'ala anhu donating the gardens to the Prophet وسلم, when he heard uh, the, uh, the ayah, that you will not achieve righteousness or the reward of righteousness being Jannah until you spend from that which you love. Or the famous hadith of Ka'b ibn Malik anhu, where when Ka'b's tawbah was announced, Ka'b wanted to give everything for the sake of Allah. What did the Prophet say to both of them? He said, you know, you should leave something for your family. The Prophet told Abu Talha uh, that you should leave some that aqrabin to those that are closest to you. He told Ka'b anhu, hold on to some of your wealth. Okay, don't, don't get so excited. Ka'b gave the shirt off of his back because he was so happy due to the tawbah being accepted, right, in Sadaqah. So the Prophet ﷺ told everyone, uh, other than Abu Bakr and a few other Sahaba, right? And, and you know, I'm not going to get into the scrutiny of those narrations, but we can certainly say that the exceptions were the Prophet ﷺ allowing people to give everything. The norm was the Prophet ﷺ saying, no, you should hold on to some of it. You should hold on to some of it.
Okay, so uh, that is the way that the Prophet recognized and emphasized the right of the family and being balanced and, and, and reasoned uh, as you reasonable as you give, even for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, not putting yourself um, in hardship. And so if you give to Yaqeen, uh, you know, only give half of your wealth, don't give all of it. Uh, you know, we, we want to be merciful. So don't give all of your wealth like Abu Bakr, just half of it, um, you know, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not serious, okay? So you don't have to give half of it uh, uh, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, um, you know, it's something for us to think about the right of the family, and especially subhanAllah as we go into these last nights of, uh, of Ramadan. And we're thinking about how we're going to spend our sadaqah. Let's think about how we're going to spend on the people that are closest to us, how we're going to show them uh, our generosity, inshallah ta'ala, when we have the means. And again, let's remember that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has limited our means in this, in this process or in this period, um, let's think about other ways that we can show generosity to the people around us, other ways that we can compensate with our character, inshallah ta'ala, uh, and everything else. So inshallah ta'ala, with that, we'll go ahead and conclude. Uh, again, I'm going to ask you, please keep me in your du'a, my family in your du'a, inshallah, and keep all of the Yaqeen uh, team members, uh, many of them who are taking out of their own last 10 nights right now uh, to make sure that I don't mess up the technology, uh, make du'a for them and their family, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, counts all of this as, uh, as, as sadaqah and ibadah for them, inshallah ta'ala. And I pray that Allah is with except from each one of you as well. Inshallah, I'll see you tomorrow. Zakum al-Khayran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.